Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. My wife Jane and I just completed a three-day, three-night trip to New York City. Uh, For both of us, it was the first trip back to the Big Apple for a lot of years. I asked Jane to join me at a podcast and talk about the trip. She graciously agreed, so we recorded the podcast during the afternoon of Sunday, June 9th. I think this is only the second time I have done a podcast, a full-blown podcast from my home. I planned to record it here, but we had a little problem with the time, so Dan Domsett came over and we were actually uh, cramped into my little office But today, I have the distinct honor of talking with my lovely wife, Jane. Jane, thank you for agreeing to do this, first of all. Yes, hello, everyone. (laughs) We actually did a podcast once before. It was an Arts and Fishers podcast. You helped me with a review. And we are going to talk about a lot of arts, uh, not in Fishers, but arts in New York City, because I want to talk about uh, the trip that you and I took to New York City it was uh, three nights that we just recently came back from yesterday. From uh, We are recording this on a Sunday. So uh, I just want to talk about the trip. And the first thing I want to talk about was, uh, you know, going from the Indy Airport, no problem, got to LaGuardia. Now, I warned you about LaGuardia. LaGuardia was not always the most up-to-date airport in the world. It was kind of, kind of old and rickety and difficult to get around. So they are, and I say they, it's the city and some of the airlines of New York City, they have decided to do a major renovation project at LaGuardia, which is long overdue, but it wasn't uh, exactly friendly for us. No, we, we had to navigate through several escalators and following signs to where you could get the bus to take you to the taxis because taxis were not, are not allowed currently to pull up to anywhere uh, for, for arrivals. Uh, for any terminal except the main terminal. So we flew into Terminal C, so we had to take a shuttle bus to get to where they had a bazillion taxis set up for people to go. Yeah, so usually you go to an airport, so you pick up, if you have, uh, you know, checked luggage, you get your luggage at the baggage claim, and usually it's a pretty close walk to the cab stand, you just take a cab. Well, we didn't get that opportunity. <laughs> we had to walk a long way to go to a bus, and the bus took us to a temporary cab stand, which was not easy, but we uh, we, we got it done, and uh, we had a very interesting cab driver on the way into Manhattan from Queens, which is where LaGuardia is located. Um, he loved to, I mean, how do I put it? Cab drivers love to use their horns in New York City, particularly in Manhattan. But this guy uh, went on overdrive. He was on yes. his horn all the time. Yes. And he was about to just about run a red light, and you saw a police officer slammed on the brakes. I remember that. Yes. But he got us there. Yes. Well, he wanted to take us to a different hotel. I guess we stayed at the Intercontinental Hotel Times Square. And so he asked where we were going, and I said the Intercontinental. He immediately speaks into his phone and it comes up the intercontinental barclay on the other side of town which is on the east side so i explained to him no that was not correct and here's the address and so he never plugged that into his phone but he i guess generally knew where 
where we were headed. So, and then announced he did not have air conditioning, which air conditioning is a prime feature for me. It it just so happened that it turned really hot on that Thursday afternoon that we were there. Was it Thursday? Yeah, Thursday afternoon. Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon, excuse me. On Wednesday afternoon, it had turned, it had been fairly cool earlier in the day, and it got extremely hot. So all all we had were the windows down in New York City. He did take us in kind of a scenic route through Hell's Kitchen and some of those neighborhoods. We really got a chance to see some of that we wouldn't have seen before. He didn't take the main roads, but hey, in Manhattan, you don't always want to take the main roads. It's not always the fastest way to get there. So we got there, and as you mentioned, we were at the Intercontinental Hotel Times Square area on West 44th Street. And I don't know, it was, I thought it was a very nice hotel. Yes, uh, it's a member of the Holiday Inn brand, but it is uh, a step above... The regular Holiday Inns or Holiday Inn Express and Suites. I think they, it looked like they had remodeled in the last maybe five years because there were multiple um, outlets for electronics. Uh, The bathroom seemed up to date as far as shower features, sink features, etc. It was very, it was very comfortable. We had a view somewhat, not you know, we weren't just smack up against another brick wall. Yeah, last time I was in New York, at, I was right up against a brick wall. I had no view at all, so I wasn't going in there expecting anything. We had a very nice view of that uh, theater district. Yes, yes. So uh, it worked out. I thought convenience was location was A+, plus, and the accommodations were very nice. I thought the bed was comfortable, so uh, it, gives, it gives a good rating uh, for me, and I'm kind of picky oh no you are more than kind of picky so <laughs> and by the way uh, the intercontinental is not paying a dime for this they were just yeah. giving being honest with you and if it had not been a good experience sadly we would have told you that too. but it's it's not uh I mean, it's not cheap but it's not in the higher price range of the hotels in that area of town Correct. of new york city so if, if you know the intercontinental if you want to go see some plays in the times square area the theater district which is all kind of one general area intercontinental i think is a really good place to to land so we got there, kind of got settled in, and uh, I had made this recommendation because I hadn't been to this restaurant for 36 years. That's the last time I was in New York City. It's called Patsy's Restaurant. It's, it's been a, an Italian uh, restaurant uh, stable, staple, I guess you'd say, uh, in New York City for a long time. And I'd been, when the time I was there before, the food was outstanding. Well, it just so happens the same family owns it. And I think the son of the chef that was there when I was there before is now in charge and has the same recipes. And again, you have high standards. Uh, Patsy's Italian restaurant. What did you think of that? Oh, it was it was excellent. the The thing I noticed immediately when my manicotti arrived was that it was fresh pasta. You can definitely tell the difference. Uh, and the the sauce was good. It's filled with cheese. Just. Really good. I think I had a salad. We split a salad, mm-hmm. yes, which was good. And then we, of course, had to split a dessert. We'd have to disclose all that, <laughs> but it was a good dessert. I'll say that much. Yes, it was a chocolate mousse cake. I think. Yes, so. it was, and it was. But you know, the thing I liked about it, especially with the the sauce that they use, and I had a a marinara sauce pasta, is that uh, they put their own little touch on it, and that's what I'm always looking for in an Italian restaurant. I think. Adam Austin and his family do a good job at uh, Donatello's and Carmel. They put their own little. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, a great Italian it. restaurant yeah, here we, in town. 
uh, so uh, well in Carmel next door to where we are, but well, general close area. Enough, yes. So, but but I thought Patsy's was one. You know, New York, you have such a choice, and I just thought, well, let's go back there, and it was a good choice. Had it not been, I never would have heard the last of it. So exactly, yeah, exactly, it worked out really well. Then I think we had a short respite, and then we were off to the Schubert Theater. And we got, and, and I have to give my wife credit, somehow she got tickets and on the main floor. Now, they weren't cheap. We figured, hey, we don't know when we're going to be in New York again, so let's, if we're going to spend a little extra money to see some great shows. We went to see a show that has had, actually has created quite a buzz over the last several months, To Kill a Mockingbird. It was rewritten, of course, I read the book ages ago, saw the film ages ago, starring Gregory Peck as Atticus Finch. Well, Aaron Sorkin has rewritten the script for the stage and changed some some parts of it. And Atticus Finch is played by Jeff... Daniels. Daniels, thank you. And he... Well, he, I'll just let you uh, make the first comments, but uh, when you go in there was to a show like that that's had this kind of hype, you go in with very high expectations. So did it meet your high expectations? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I love going to place here locally in Indianapolis and Noblesville, Fishers, Carmel, whatever. But Broadway is a definite step above as far as the uh, quality of of the show, and and maybe part of that is just because you know, you're sitting there at a Broadway show that's been sold out, and uh, but the level of acting is just superb, and and I thought the story was was good. It was pretty, you know, pretty much true to the original story, but uh, a, a little different take. And and let's Atticus. Uh, how should I put? It? I think they added a bit to the story. He changed a little toward the end. The whole idea that there's some good in everyone, you know, he he kind of stayed with that in the book and in the in the original film with Gregory Peck. That's how that's, and I'm not saying he he was that way during most of the play, but at the very end, it's like, well, maybe I'm not totally, maybe I'm not totally that you know, feeling that way now after going through everything that he, he went through for the trial of the To Kill a Mockingbird story, which most people are familiar with. But uh, you're going to get uh, it's very generally true to the original story, but it, but Sorkin puts his own uh, touch on it, particularly at the end, don't you think? Yes, yes. And and the, the scenery, the scenery was fairly simple, uh, and they, they changed, you know, they changed that from going to the Finch house to the courtroom. Uh, the, the one central thing was the character of Scout being a narrator uh, throughout the whole really pretty much throughout the whole play that actress was on stage i'm sure she probably has the most lines and she was um excellent she's nominated for a tony with the tony awards tonight so yeah we're, we're recording well this right we're recording this right before the tonys so many of you who listen to this may already know whether she's won or not but in the, in the original film with gregory peck uh, scout was sort of a narrator at the beginning but she, her role gets kind of pulled back later in the film until the very end here she's there the whole time mm-hmm. yes uh, along with uh, her brother jem mm-hmm. and their summer friend gill uh, the Gill, I believe, is also nominated as a featured actor, uh, and he was he was very good. So it was it was just a great experience. The only downside was got a little uncomfortable in the seats. So thank goodness there was an intermission that we could kind of get up and move around a little bit. But uh, uh, it was it was excellent. Yeah, and, and well, 
how should I put it? Broadway theater seats are notoriously uncomfortable. <laughs> the next play we're going to talk about, there was no intermission, but uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. And the, th- the the seats are about the same, whatever theater you go to. But the Belasco Theater was a little bit more comfortable, but there was that wasn't that much much different. Uh, but I, I but all in all, you know, what people would ask me, do you should I go see To Kill a Mockingbird? I would say two things. Number one, it's an outstanding play. You will have a terrific time at the theater. But number two, be prepared to pay for it. Yes. It's not cheap. And that TKTS uh, booth in Times Square where you get discounted tickets the day of, I don't think you'll ever find a To Kill a Mockingbird ticket there. If you don't have a ticket, you go to StubHub and you'll pay even more. So, uh, or some other broker, you know, legal broker. Uh, Situation. So I would say Jeff Daniels has been nominated. He he deserved that nomination for a Tony, um, but but the whole cast it was uh, it was just a great experience at the theater. You don't always get that, and when you go in with high expectations like this, you've read so much about it, you've seen the interviews. Uh, Jeff Daniels has been all over media last week or two. I don't know if, if they're trying to boost ticket sales. I think they're doing okay. Or if it's just a way to kind of you know drum up some support uh, before the Tonys, but I know uh, Jeff Daniels has been on a lot of media lately, and sixty minutes re-ran their story they had uh, run before the play opened earlier. I think it was last year. So, um, any final thoughts on To Kill a Mockingbird? It's I, I give it a high grade. Yeah. Yes, I do too. Well, we went from that. We got a chance to get some rest. Went went back to the hotel room. Got a comfortable night's rest. Now you do have to be aware that you are in a city, and then the honking horns don't end at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but it didn't keep me up, so I, I think you slept pretty well, I, too. I, they did not wake me up. I heard, uh, and the sirens, you hear a lot mm-hmm. of sirens. But once I went to sleep, it, they didn't wake me up. Well, the next day we got up, got a little, slept in a little bit, and then went to the Museum of Modern Art. Now, I want to say a few things about the Museum of Modern Art. First of all, it's going through a major renovation. And actually, we got in just about a week or two before the whole thing closes entirely for four months. And there's going to be a completely new and revised um, Museum of Modern Art. They also say it will be a little less, uh, should I put it, uh, European-centric, because it is now, uh, that they would uh, be a little more worldly and not so necessarily American, but bringing in art from different parts of the world. But there was there were whole floors that were just closed. But the floors that were open were, were pretty interesting. I, um, I'm not sure you're a big fan of modern art. Uh, no, I'm generally not. it's uh, it's interesting to watch. I try to figure it out. You read the little explanations as best you can. But there was one work by Vincent Van Gogh, and we we passed that twice. And there was a huge crowd around it. So I don't know if it was a new entry or just a, a special well, piece they had. Or, it was. Starry, Starry Night. I mean, it's yeah. his most famous mm-hmm. uh, work. So I don't know if that's what drew uh, all the crowds. There was a there was a Joan Miro exhibit. They had Brancusi sculpture, uh, some American artists. The the one thing that kind of turned me off was the first floor we went to. I felt like I was in an IKEA store. Yeah, because there were all these chairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just chairs. Uh, there was even a tea kettle. I remember the tea kettle, yeah. I'm not quite sure what art there is in tea kettles. Nobody, you know, like, send me bad notes or anything, but (laughs) I just, I was like, it was, there were stools, there were chairs, tea kettles. Uh, I'm sorry, my artistic 
uh, love does not go there. But once we hit the floor with the European uh, Impressionists and uh, they had the original Claude Monet water lilies, mm-hmm. the huge uh, three canvas uh, expanse. That was that was very impressive just to look yes, at that. You yes, know. and then and then they had the Picasso, all those ori- the the ones you know, you you could see the original mm-hmm. works there. So that that was that was very thrilling to see to see that. But the furniture I could do without. And, and some of the cubism things, I'm... Yeah, you never... I could see you really kind of breezed through the cubism there. Uh, the other thing that was, and I don't think you were a big fan of this, I like it maybe a little more than you, uh, would be the uh, audiovisual artistic presentations. Like, particularly people would project video or film onto a, a wall or a screen. Uh, there were some that I thought were... Uh, some I thought were, were pretty creative. Did you? Did any of that strike you at all? Nope, totally didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think too much about it. Yeah. So it's it's going to close. There's so many places to go in, in New York. I just never been to the Museum of Modern Art. So I decided, let's go. And we went and saw it. And uh, I don't know, maybe it would be, if we ever go back, it might be worth seeing the new renovated one. I don't know. But it's going to be, a, if you, uh, I saw a, a mock-up of the new building. It looks pretty impressive. And again, a lot of the floors were closed entirely. They're preparing to, to close the place for four months. So uh, we at least got a chance to see it. We can say we saw the Museum of Modern Art. That was kind of my idea. So any fu- any further thoughts on, on the museum? None no, at all. No. Okay. Well, then uh, we took a short rest, got back to the hotel room. Then we were off to one of the most famous restaurants in New York, probably in, in the world in terms of theater Sardis. Sardis I'd been to before as well, once before, many years ago, and it hadn't changed any. <laughs> they still, I mean, I'm not saying that there are not di- you know, new uh, caricatures up there, but they're all show business people. It's interesting, the way we were seated, you got a really good view of the restaurant itself and who was there. I got a better view of all the caricatures, and we had a couple of favorites. A lot of people are just kind of New York personalities, not people you might know elsewhere from elsewhere. But uh, Joan Collins and uh, Catherine Hepburn had their caricatures pretty close to where you were sitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? What? Did, I just thought the feel of the place is uh, is special. What? What did you think? Yes, the, you you feel the Broadway ambiance. Uh, with with all that, I kept looking for a famous person, but didn't see one. That, they probably don't that, that, go in the general play. That probably has special rooms for the, yeah. the celebrities. That's okay. They they need, okay. A, need a chance to eat peacefully, so you've got to respect that. Uh, but one thing about the Sardis, and I and this was true when I was there once before, the food is very good. Food was good. I I wanted a side salad, so I was asking the waitress, and she pointed to the menu to the regular salads. So, ended up with a pretty large side salad for me, but it was very good. Uh, baby lettuce with a sherry vinaigrette that was uh, quite good, and then we shared a steak with uh, yeah, it was a good steak, mashed potatoes and asparagus, mm-hmm. I believe. And of course, we had to have dessert again. Yeah, but they were famous, still are, I'm sure, for their rice pudding. I ate most of it, but it was very good rice pudding. But they had lots of other desserts. But yeah, sardines, you'd think, okay, I'm going for the ambiance. I'm going just for the feel to say I went there. Uh, the food was also good. So that was yes. kind of an extra little uh, special thing for, for going to sardines. And uh, so I'm glad we had a chance to go to that. Once we uh, had dinner at Sardi's, it was really a fairly short walk 
just a few blocks to the Belasco Theater. And we had a chance to see one of the last performances of the play Network. Now, you had seen the film years ago. A long, long time ago. When it was out in 1976. I've seen it then. I've seen it several times since. It's one of my favorite movies of the 70s. Because I'm a media guy, maybe that's part of it. Uh, I think it was a bit prophetic. It used a crazy kind of theme and, 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 and script to make the point that at that time, in the mid-70s, television was becoming, television news in particular, was becoming more entertainment and less news as we'd known it up to that point. And I think if you look at what's happened since, a lot of it has happened. A lot of the... Uh, uh, a lot of the way it's economically done. For instance, in the old days during the 70s uh, and before, going all the way back to the 50s, for the TV networks, the news division was a, a loss leader. They knew they were going to lose money. It was kind of a public service thing they were expected to do. And now that's not the case. And it really stopped being the case right about the 1980s. So it was prophetic in that sense. I think the, 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 the stage play was really interesting to me and I want you to comment on this first. Uh, I thought that technologically, that was a very complex staging of that play. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, the whole left side of the stage was virtually recreating a, a, the behind-the-scenes newsroom with... The control room. Control yeah. room, okay. Yeah. Uh, with monitors. They actually had actual monitors showing with different news, uh, like other stations, what they were showing, and you actually had people in the booth uh, that you could tell were the behind-the-scenes folks. They showed uh, at the far corner was the makeup chairs, and actually before the play even started, you could see uh, Tony Goldwyn, who was the Max Schumacher character. I saw him, and I pointed him out to you. I mm -hmm. said, that's Tony Goldwyn already on stage. That's and then right. Brian Cranston, playing Howard Beale, came in, before technically the show started. And then the whole backdrop of the of the scene was a, a giant television screen or film screen um, that was showing whatever was being broadcast once he started the news scene. Or it also showed some uh, scenes that might, I think, had been filmed. Because mm -hmm. uh, there was one scene that, um, they were out on the sidewalk. They were out on the yeah. sidewalk outside the show, and, and the, it wasn't very busy. It was mm -hmm. evening time, but I, it looked like they had filmed that and put that into there as opposed to showing the scene uh, live. But, it, yeah, the the scenery, I was amazed at, at all the electronic and then that the, – uh, when Howard was on st was on stage, Brian Cranston, you know there was somebody always following him with a handheld, almost seemed like an iPad, but I'm sure it was some it's a video, sort of it's a camera. Video camera. Okay, yeah. well, see, you're more up on that mm -hmm. modern technology, but, but, but it, it, it but, was very and it was projected onto this big video screen, and there were smaller ones too. Uh, so if you were like in a corner, we were kind of in a corner off to the side and there were some screens where you could look at that and see what was going on there. If there was a scene that was, if you couldn't see it from your seat, you could see it on a screen. So in that way, uh, that was a different way of staging it. For those who never saw the film, Howard Beale's character basically goes nuts on national network TV, says he's going to kill himself. And the ratings go up so high they keep him on. And then he tells everybody 
uh, if, if you're mad as hell, go to your uh, window and yell you're mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore. And it's spread, gets his own primetime show. Max Schumacher, uh, who was played by William Holden in the original film, he was really more of a central character than in the play. The play, Howard Beale, of course, that's Brian Cranston's, uh, that's, a, that's his part, uh, the man who goes crazy. He's more at the center of the story, but it's not a huge difference. Um, but uh, I wondered how in the world it was going to be staged, it was so video-centric, and then I had read somewhere where this was one of the most expensive and complicated staging, uh, staging sets, or sets, I say in general, uh, that Hollywood had ever tried, or actually in this case it would be it would be Broadway had ever tried. Hollywood obviously had their own way of doing it, but putting it on a stage is a different thing, and I think they really came up with the perfect way to stage this play. Do you think? Yes, yes. And the, uh, integrating the, the film or whatever was video, a, mostly, was yeah. video was uh, a really different, uh, interesting uh, thing to add on than just the people, actors, saying their lines on stage. Can I tell the story of how we ended up seeing Network? Because sure. we, were, we were originally going sure. to go the following week. And I said, well, it's too bad we're going that week because I really wanted to see Network. And Network uh, closes the week before. And you said, yeah, okay. Was it the next day or two days later? You came to me and said, you didn't tell me Brian Cranston was in it. All of a sudden, we switched to it uh, to a week earlier and we got to see Network. Actually, that was the first uh, play that we had booked. Yes. And then decided to see uh, To Kill a Mockingbird because we tried to plan it ahead of time. But we had to. Just There were only two seats on the main floor, I think, when... Uh, when you got your To Kill a Mockingbird Fair. tickets, oh, well, there, yeah, there were very, very few. few, and and then as I explain, as you as you also said that it was very expensive, you know, just to sit a few rows closer, which I thought our seats were fine, but w- were hundreds of dollars more. Oh yeah, so it was. Uh, at first, we had vetoed going to because to, it was because so expensive, it was so expensive. Yeah. and then I kept looking and and found the. I guess more reasonably priced. Well, that's, that's a matter of uh, debate. Yes, but th- these are not cheap, and they're. And I, I have to tell you, I could have. Pro- I could stay for weeks in the theater district and just watch one play or musical a night, and just have a great time. And there were so many other, and they're they're cheaper options, okay. Uh, but I, we decided that we were going to limit the amount of time we were there because the hotels are expensive too, but. Uh, I, I'm glad we went to both plays. It was uh, it was a lot of money, but we didn't know when we'd be back in New York to, to be able to see plays like this. And I think those two productions will go down as two of the most recent biggest hits. And, uh, and the Tony Awards gave them both a lot of attention, deservingly so. So, uh, yeah, Brian Cranston, he was very much the center, but he had a lot of support acting-wise. Got to give the Got to give the director in both of those plays a lot of credit because uh, you go to, to to kill a mockingbird you are how should I put this you're you're directing something that's part of American theatrical and literary history certainly cinematic history and trying to recreate that whole thing on a stage and the director I thought did a great job there and uh, with network that was a very complex set complex uh, staging I just sets more of a uh, a film thing, but it's it's uh, the way they staged this was very complicated, but it, it came off terrifically, and uh, they they fool you a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You think you, they they give you a sleight of hand, but it's fun, and that's uh, 
that's part of it. So I, you would recommend Network? Yes. And, Although it's, it's no longer playing. It's too no, bad. If too it ever late does, for everybody. If but, it does come back in some other form or goes uh, on the road, uh, I think, yes. yeah. It would be well, and, and Brian Cranston was just outstanding the the way he takes it into, uh, you know, kind of losing his mind and getting so animated and worked up and angry with what's going on. Uh, I, I see why they don't have an intermission. I don't know how you could kind of stop in the middle of that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And But then, you know, he could pull back and then kind of go back to a, a more normal uh, demeanor. And that was just amazing to, to watch that transformation. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, it was a great experience. I'm glad we had a chance to see it right as it was closing. And it wasn't closing because it wasn't drawing a crowd. A star like Brian Cranston can only devote so much time. I think even Jeff Daniels, we, that will, uh, right. To Kill a Mockingbird, will eventually close, not because the audience is going away, just because the star has, has moves on to something else, whatever that next thing might be. But I... Um, yeah, I just uh, loved seeing both of those productions. Uh, so I was very, we were very fortunate to get a chance to see those. And you know, to kill a mockingbird, you'll pay for it. But go and if Network ever comes back as a stage production somewhere, it's going to be hard to uh, replace Brian Cranston. But I would say try it. It's it's a, it's a, one other thing about but uh, Network. It's still set in the nineteen seventies. But yet there are very clear references to today. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> and I won't get any more for it. But say more about that. That uh, the Russians were mentioned by Peter Finch's character uh, in, in Howard Beale in the in the film, but he just kind of listed off the Russians as one of the problems. Brian Cranston stops and looks at the camera and says, "And the Russians." So that was a pretty clear, <laughs> for, you know, that's a pretty clear reference to what's going on today. And the other touch that they put on as you're walking out of the theater, um, the uh, the director puts on the screen just snippets of the oath of office from presidents all the way from Ford on up. And I was looking at this, and I turned to you. I said, okay, this is a New York crowd. What's going to happen when Trump comes up there? And, uh, well, the New York crowd didn't disappoint us. They weren't real happy with Trump. So um, just a side note, it was just... Well, it is what it is in, mm-hmm. in, in that set. You're reporting factually. This is factual. The crowd reaction. We were just yes. thinking, what's this crowd reaction going to be? And we were mm-hmm. we, we were not wrong to put mm-hmm. it to a double negative there. So that took care of uh, of the first couple of days there. Then on Friday, uh, we got up and took a bus tour, which was supposed to last about six hours. I think it ended up lasting about seven hours. Just got behind. Uh, it was a bus tour of New York, and uh, wow, I had taken one before, but it was not as uh, impressive as, as this one. We stayed in the bus most of the time. Again, that was a long time ago. But this this uh, this this particular tour gave us a chance to see some very important places, and uh, I won't list them all now. But tell me what impressed you most. What did you walk away from remembering the most from that? day-long trip uh, all around New York. Oh, it'd have to be the 9-11 memorial. Uh, the, the way this bus tour was structured, and and I'm always in charge of all of our arrangements and tickets, and because that's something I like to do, is research and, and find all these things, is I knew that we both uh, had not been there uh, in a very long time and both wanted to actually be able to get out and walk 
uh, around the 9-11 memorial. And it was, it, it, it was so impressive. And you uh, feel for all the families that lost loved ones and the people that, that died that day. And I just think that they did an excellent job. Uh, you could also see the new structures going up. Um, that they uh, are building to um, <clears throat> replace some of the business area, uh, that that area was devastated. They also show, showed, uh, was it St. Paul's Episcopal Church that actually stood? It was a block despite, away. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the older architecture, it actually stood and had very little damage, and I guess that's where a lot of people went for shelter. Uh, so, so that was that was probably the the uh, thing that I'll remember the most. But it was the the way that I wanted the bus tour was we would be on the bus, we would drive by some things, but then we actually got out, walked around Rockefeller Center. Um, could have, we didn't go to the Empire State Building, but we could you know we got out to see uh, to see it and and. Uh, took a boat ride, a boat excursion for, at the end, I think that's what took the extra time, mm-hmm. is that took longer than anticipated. That took us very close to the Statue of Liberty. Uh, so, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a short way to see a lot of the um, bigger items. And, and our guide was really great. She she stood up there and was smiling the whole time and imparting lots of little you know tidbits of information. So it was it was a nice day. Yeah, she was a New Yorker. Had a slight Caribbean accent. I thought, well, this is a New Yorker, but I'm sensing a little something there. Turns out she uh, she had uh, relatives from Tobago. Did I get that? Trinidad right? Tobago. Trinidad Tobago. Yes. So, uh, but she was from Brooklyn. Oh yeah, Brooklyn. She was, was like, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> but uh, obviously, the neighborhood where she was from that was the accent in that part of Brooklyn. But she's very clearly a New Yorker. One last comment about uh, the 9/11 memorial. I mean, I, I all I'll say, most of you have probably seen pictures or maybe videos of it. When you walk it, you feel as if you're on hallowed ground. You know, you just get that feeling. And I, I have to give credit, like you did, to the people who designed that. Uh, there's this water that's flowing constantly, and it's it's done in a in a matter in a manner to make it seem uh, as if it's trying to soothe you out of your your grief. So there's a lot of good architecture there. Uh, the new uh, one World Trade Center building is very impressive from the outside. Didn't go in, but that's looking from the outside. That was very impressive. Now when we had our lunch break, we had it down in the financial district. Uh, Fulton Market, but we didn't go to Fulton Market. We went across the street for a honest-to-goodness New York pizza, and wow, was it good! It, it was it was really good, and I was amazed we could you know get in. We got uh, our slices of pizza and a drink, and sat, and we're able to find a place to sit down. And we only had a half hour. Our guide was like, "Okay, you've got a half hour. You can go here, here, here," and we hadn't had pizza yet so larry defers to me so i said we're going across the street for the pizza so it very turned good out, choice. yes it was it was very good and really economical as yeah, far as kind of cheap for to buy new york standards it was, yeah for a piece of pizza and their slices 
are huge. like the equivalent of three. And anybody say, that knows. So. Some people would look at this pizza and and say that it's greasy. But there is a lot of water on it, but it doesn't taste greasy. It looks greasy. I mean, if you pick it up, there's there's liquid coming off of it, but it doesn't taste greasy. It wasn't super greasy. I didn't think as far as greasy goes, it was Mm -hmm. a little greasy to me, but I... It was still good. And our guide later said one reason uh, New York pizza is so good is because of the quality of the water there, which I'd never thought about. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. We don't know if she was prejudiced about that at all. She's a little she prejudiced. Says, that's what her that's her story, and she's sticking to it. She, it's the water. It's the water. <laughs> that's, that's exactly the way she said it. <laughs> her name was Tyler. Gosh darn, you know that's uh, and she told you later. I think I you saw her on the side, and yeah. she said that this was just one of the tour companies she works for, and that she works for several others, and there are like food tours you can take. There's all kinds of tours in New York City, which, you know, we didn't have time to, to do that. Oh, that's the thing. And in, in my research, as I said, I like to research things, is is there are tours that you can um, just ride buses and you hop on and you do your own walking around. Uh, and uh, there's other tours like you had been on that you're just pretty much on the bus. So uh, I wanted one that we were... On the bus, but we we had times to to get off, and and that definitely included the memorial. So for, you know, I think we saw a lot for a short short amount of time because they actually have two day, three day tours. You could, oh sure, I'm sure you do that I'm take sure. you to other parts. So Rockefeller Center is impressive if you look at that. But what was really interesting about the time we went to Rockefeller Center is that uh, the Today Show was a, uh, just had the, this big concert with the Jonas Brothers. They're doing a re- new concert, and they got a book out, so they're promoting all this stuff. But I it's guess... A, it's a documentary out. They don't have a book out. They said they had a book. Okay. They, 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 Here they, we go again. Because what's her name? Uh, Savannah Guthrie asked, oh, I heard you have a book out as well as everything else. Oh, yes, we do. It was pl- clearly plug, plug. Okay. But so they have the documentary, they have the book, okay. and they of course had this Today Show thing to to promote that. And I guess the crowds were like the biggest they'd had in ages for one of those free concerts. Uh, people stood out there for hours waiting to get in, and uh, it it uh, they were still tearing down from that. We got there several hours later, mm-hmm. but it was a big production to put that on. Uh, but it's if you look at Rockefeller Center, you know, there's so much. It's just huge. I mean the whole concept that you think of that one big building where they had the ice skating and everything and we saw that. But that that building is huge, but it's just part of the overall complex. Like the Tonight Show is not in the Rockefeller Center building, it's like across the street, but it's still part of Rockefeller Center the complex. So it's uh, very very interesting to see all that. Um then uh, we actually had to kind of hustle a little bit because the tour went over because we had uh, tickets to go see a jazz concert on Friday night, the last night we were there at the Birdland Club. It was a long walk. We were across the street, which was very convenient from our hotel. But we got a chance to hear Veronica Swift, 24, 25-year-old uh, girl who comes from uh, a family of jazz musicians. Her, you said her mother had been on that same stage just a few nights before we got there. Um but wow, I mean, you, you listen to her and you can just tell she is a classically trained singer that loves jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I say, she'll, she's a Diana Krall to me, a younger Diana Krall on the, on the way up. And uh, 
it was the true, true jazzy blues. Uh, she was accompanied uh, on by guitar and a bass, which is kind of player. unusual for a, that's a, that's the only backup she had, but it, she made it work very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was it was somewhat of a short set because she was going to be doing a, a later a later show also, uh, but uh, she did some uh, songs I knew. A lot of songs I didn't know, but a lot of lot of old, a lot of old standards mm-hmm. that you and most people would recognize, especially our age. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I, th- I was uh, it wasn't all new. That there was a lot of old standards that she clearly loved because her parents again, mm-hmm. you know, obviously played that kind of music, sang it. Her her dad was a was a jazz drummer, I think. I think percussionist. so. Yeah, her, her mother her mother's mm-hmm. a singer, mm-hmm. and then yes, her. So uh, Veronica Swift, I mean, if you like jazz, uh, she's terrific, and we were very uh, fortunate to get a chance uh, uh, to see her. So then we uh, we didn't have too much trouble getting out. We had to get up early the next morning and catch a flight. Uh, one thing about uh, LaGuardia is if, as you're leaving, you get a seat as soon as you can in the waiting area because... You know, there aren't that many seats available. It's a pretty cramped area considering how many... This is the area we were in for uh, that particular terminal. I thought one interesting story. Our flight back to Indianapolis was overbooked. So first they started offering $500 gift well, certificates. I think it started at 400 Excuse me, 400 Went to 500 Nobody took 600 One person took it. They still had one more to go. Some people, well, they knew how this worked. Got up to a thousand dollars. I looked at you and I thought you were going to take it. I just picked you up. I thought later. about it. I thought about it. <laughs> I think you wanted to get home though. But uh, finally, some guy walked up and said, "I'll take that thousand dollars. I'll go." You know, I, there was a flight later in the day. I think you had to go through Detroit still, mm-hmm. but you could have gotten home. It would have been later in the day. And he took his thousand dollars and he was asking all kinds of questions because it was as we were getting ready to, to to get on the plane, he was standing right next to me and said. How long is this available? You know, what can I use it for? You know, they, he got all these questions answered. Oh, well, I'll take it. Now, for the departure, yes. the taxis are allowed to take you to your specific Correct. terminal. Yeah, so, so you, you do get to go so directly So that was much, mm-hmm. uh, much easier. He dropped us at Terminal C, and, and we were there. Of course, then five minutes after we've headed towards our gate that was given to us, we get text messages that our gate has been changed to the complete opposite side of the terminal. But at least but it was the same terminal. At least it was the same Because if you had to go to Correct. another terminal, that's another pain. But uh, no, we, we it was a long walk, but hey, you know, we could probably use the exercise. <laughs> we, We'd so have we, a lot of exercise, but yes. And one thing about New York, I mean, there, uh, how should I put it? If you don't like crowds, don't go there. Uh, I don't know, how, you know, if you're walking down a sidewalk and there's a theater there and they're getting ready to let people in for the showing, you probably are going to have trouble walking down that sidewalk uh, because it's uh, it's very crowded. But, you know, it's just part of being in a big city. So uh, I hadn't been there for a while, really enjoyed the trip. Any final thoughts uh, about New York City, what we saw, what we did, any impressions? Well, we, we packed a lot in, in three days, three nights. Uh, my uh, When I first was looking at booking our trip uh i was look, looking at tour agencies and and that type of thing and and the cost scared us off and yeah, we weren't we, even we, go. yeah we decided all right it's too expensive and then i was like well let me see and i i ended up piecing things together uh and yes it was expensive but it was cheaper than yeah we, you know, we thought we could yeah. we could handle what mm-hmm. what we ended up with and uh, my recommendation to people is 
figure out what you're going to do before you pick the hotel. I started off looking at hotels and I was like, oh, let's go to this one. And it was in the general vicinity. And then after we decided we were going to go to two Broadway shows and you would like to go to the jazz club, uh, then that's when I started narrowing it down even further and then cost-wise and that type of thing. And and so uh, I think that worked out well. We were at e- In the evening, we were one or two blocks from wherever we were going. Uh, one night it rained briefly, but mm-hmm. it was just after the show, and we had brought our umbrellas. So. And it was a short walk back to the yeah. hotel. So, so, you know, overall, I, it was a great trip. I thank you for uh, taking me along. Yes, it's, it's the usual trade-off. Uh, I pay for it, and you take care of the, the details. And I think yes. we both did our job, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. So, uh, Jane, thanks Thanks for talking about the trip. I was wanted to do a podcast about the trip, but I thought the only person I could talk to about it was you. So you uh, generously agreed to be on the podcast. So, uh, Jane, thanks. You're welcome. Thanks to my lovely wife, Jane, for joining me on this podcast. This is the Larry in Fishers podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I write the LarryInFishers.com local news blog from Fishers, Indiana, the suburban city northeast of Indianapolis. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. (laughs) 